Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on octalkradio.net, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. Today uh, is June 17, 2016, certainly a major red-letter day in our life, and I'd like to brag just a little on the personal side. Welcomed a new member of the Wright clan, our grandson, Theo James Garner, came into the world at 4.30 this morning here in Irvine, California. Mom and son are doing well. He's a good size, and we're just super excited. So thank you for joining us today, and we'd like to welcome Sanford Coggins, founder and president of Vision Wise Capital. He speaks to us out of their headquarters in Mission Viejo, Sanford. Welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Charlie, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. So, Sanford, before we get into your 30-plus years of uh, commercial real estate and as an RIA, uh, you had a distinguished career starting as quarterback, ending as wide receiver for Uni- University of Texas Longhorns some time ago. Uh, tell us briefly uh, what are a couple of things you learned from your coach, Fred Akers. Oh, good good question. I'm uh... I, I, I can tell you this, as a young man, 17, 18 years of age, when you get recruited out of high school to go play that level of, of, uh, of sports, you, you don't really know the coaches as men. You really know them as coaches. And um, the scope that you have of life is, is somewhat narrow comparatively. But I had the opportunity in uh, 2007 to go back at an anniversary with the team coming together and, uh, and celebrating a, a, a bout for the national championship my freshman year. I had the opportunity during that time to actually shake Fred's hand and look him in the eyes and tell him thank you for uh, for recruiting me and subsequently changing the trajectory of my life. That's uh, that's just what happens when you have something like that happen to a young man out of high school. And it was, I just remember him from that perspective being a, a teary-eyed gentleman that was appreciative, I think, of having a young man come back and tell him that. Well, that's great, and I'm sure there were lots of lessons learned, and that's a, uh, and, and plenty for another show, I'm sure. So tell us, uh, you've had a 30-year career combining two different things that are rarely combined. Uh, You combine commercial real estate experience together with being an RIA, Registered Investment Advisor, which is usually publicly traded securities, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, etc. Tell us, how did you combine those two in your career here? Yeah, that's good. um, My background traced out of college to commercial banking and then to commercial real estate for a number of years. And then from commercial real estate, the downturn of the market in the early 80s, I had an opportunity to move to Merrill Lynch, where I had 17 years, half of which I ran a project here on the West Coast with a couple other fellows that was a $77 million carve-out of resources. And that worked out really well. But I found that I was perfect uh, perfect for someone as an entrepreneur to step out on my own during that time and found that uh, launching my own RIA, was uh, was more attractive to me, so I did that. But then during that process, realized that the asset class of choice was actually real estate, my kind of my roots, and decided then to uh, to sell that practice and launch Visionwise Capital in 2013. And um, it's been terrific. Uh, now I feel like I'm an RIA of real estate because I still do the same fiduciary asset allocation modeling for investors. But I focus exclusively now on apartments and exclusively on income property. So tell us about VisionWise Capital. What do you guys focus on? What particular areas, etc.? 
Certainly. Right now we're in California. We focus on apartments, multifamily residential, generally between 2 and $20 million in, uh, in market cap. Um, we have first-year income as a prerequisite. Our IRRs are generally underwritten to between 12 and 14% and up. And so far in the three years that we've been at it, we've accumulated about $55 million of property. And we have two of our largest projects now coming due at north of 17% IRRs. It's been actually quite incredible for the investors so far. Uh, going forward, we have an Orange County multifamily fund that's going to be specifically 4 to 40 units in Orange County. And that fund is a $25 million fund that's rolling out here in the next three weeks. Um, my anticipation, Charlie, is that we will in the next five years be at about a $500 million to $700 million company. And in about seven years, we're targeting to be at a billion. Well, you're one ambitious guy here, uh, Sanford, uh, but but I'm sure uh, most guys who played for Fred Akers probably are uh, still ambitious uh, 30-plus years later. So tell us, uh, why do you think people should be in real estate in today's uh, financial environment? Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily just exclusively today. I think real estate is an asset class that has uh, the greatest risk being how it's structured. It's not the real estate itself. And it's the asset class that bounces back. Let me explain the structure part, because if you consider the debt that people structure into real estate acquisitions, that's where you're going to find the predominance of your risk. For example, if you put an 80% loan on a property and you drop in your occupancy by 10 to 15%, you're going to have a bank calling you for that loan or to pay it down. And that's how people lose the asset during a recession. Well, if you if you if you moderate, modify your debt structure and, and structure it more, uh, more more prudently, then you can weather the storm of a downturn. And guess what happens at the end of every recession? Real estate bounces back up. So time heals real estate if you give it time. The people that lose in real estate are the ones that lose the asset, and that's what we protect our investors from having happen. So you guys are in multifamily real estate. Multifamily has had a significant run for about seven or eight years here. Uh, where do you see it being in the third inning, in the eighth inning? Where do you see multifamily development being? I believe that multifamily, well, if you think of development, that's another picture. But if you speak in terms of buying existing edifices, I think that we're in the latter innings. I think that we're going to have a recession in the next two to three years. I don't think that's uncommon. I think they happen every four to seven years, 4.7 years on average, and lengthy, more lengthy now since we've diversified the economy a bunch. But the fact of it is when we have a recession, in our position, the reason we're going to get to a billion dollars is because we're going to be so cash-heavy and, and able to acquire during that downturn that we're going to see great profits on the way back up. So that's, that's, that's the, the strategy is I'm expecting and looking forward to being prepared for a recession, and I want to take advantage every bit of that so, so that we can, uh, we can have investors win during it. Okay. Now, you mentioned that uh, you uh, 80% loan, loan-to-value is uh, you know, overly high. What kind of loan-to-value do you guys look to do? What kind of lending are you looking for? Right. We are, uh, for as far as bank debt is concerned, we're at less than 50% on a go-forward basis. We have deals now, of course, where we inherited that they had larger loan amounts, but nothing greater than 60, 60%. 
fifty percent is the is the cap going forward. Forty five percent is statistically the right number because that will absorb a thirty five percent drop off in occupancy of our properties. So. Uh, what that means is that we will either cash the rest of the balance to uh, a common equity, or in this fund, for example, I'm introducing something called preferred equity, which, and not to go into great detail now, is basically just simply a bond-type investment that is a, not a bank that allows us now to pay an income stream to someone that's fixed, just like a bond, but it's collateralized by the real estate itself. So in one investment, that allows us to have common equity, which is the person that always puts the down payment on a property, and then we'll have another tranche of capital called preferred, which is more of the bond investor that wants real estate, but maybe doesn't have the appetite to step into it directly or this, this early. Um, we have a place for them to act like a bank, get paid like a bank, take the risk of a bank, but nonetheless be in real estate at the same time. Well, that's very interesting. Why have I not heard of that structure more? Because generally speaking, you'll find it at the institutional level, but not at the private retail client level. And um, why that is is because the world of real estate for the private investor right now, Charlie, is dominated by public and private REITs. Uh, if it's not going to be that, it's going to be a real estate mutual fund, which with another opportunity, I'd share with you why those items in most cases are not actually real estate to the investor because the investor is investing in a fund that owns real estate, but they're getting 1099s in taxable income by the investment. That's not real estate. So the reason you don't see it is because the REITs are making a lot of money doing the structuring that they do. There's no major incentive to de deliver it differently, and that, I think, is where our key advantage is, is going to be as, as a company at VisionWise Capital. Well, that sounds very interesting. We look forward to hearing more about that. So, Indeed. We, we always ask people in real estate on this show uh, a single question, no matter who they are. What do you see uh, rising interest rates doing to cap rates and the real estate values in the coming years? Certainly. Um, it, it kind of piggybacks on, it, on anyone's outlook on economic projections. So I see interest rates rising. They've, they've got to go up from here. We can't sustain negative interest rates at infinitum. I don't see them rising quickly, but nonetheless, uh, it will happen over the next two or three years that the feds will, will start pushing rates. They're never very efficient doing it, however, so there will be a time when we're likely going to experience some hyperinflation. What that's going to do to real estate, of course, is it's going to cause a perceived fear, a perceived concern that's going to cause people to sort of shrink back. It's going to cause prices to settle down because there will be fewer buyers in the marketplace. It will cause sellers to become very realistic about the value of their property. And especially in the 4 to 40 unit market where we're headed on our multifamily fund, the sort of mom and pop owner is going to say, doggone it, I wish I would have sold six months ago when the market was hot. I believe that's going to be an opportunity for us to come in and buy things at a lesser cost that is really strong in terms of its economic value and then apply our asset management skills to raise value, to create value by virtue of pushing rents and just simply fixing up the property with dollars that we'll have to do that. So it's an opportunity for those who are patient. It's, uh, it's time to sell now if you're a property owner because I don't think the market's going to stay this strong for long. And what do you say to people who say California is overpriced, even though the properties that you guys are acquiring are in California? Sure. You know, overpriced is a relative term. I don't think it even really exists in this conversation just because it's priced to where people will buy. I mean, if somebody's buying it, it's not overpriced. There's, there's a market. 
So I'd say that California is expensive relative to the rest of the country. But when I compare a 4% cap rate in California to an 8% cap rate in Kentucky, I, I may choose the 4% simply because there's more growth opportunity, more demand for the property, and more opportunities for jobs and more demand for rentals in California. Therefore, my future is brighter if I structure that deal than something at 8% cap rates that don't have the opportunity for growth. So, I, 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 you know, one thing that's a real professional passion for me, Charlie, is to help people understand that when you talk about real estate, Make sure that you're speaking to it in terms of its segments. Don't include single-family residences and condominiums with office buildings and retail shopping centers. Real estate is very different, very diversified within that category. And if you don't speak specifically about the asset class, then you'll end up with statistics that are really rather meaningless or even maybe misleading. And that's something we educate our investors on all the time, is making sure that we're specific about what we're speaking to. Sanford, you make a lot of sense. i got to hand it to you. They trained you well at University of Texas on the football team there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I got all of this from my, from my trainers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sanford, we need to take a, a quick break. We'll be right back. We'll talk about uh, more specifically the kinds of projects you have and what kind of holding periods you anticipate here. We're talking Great. with Sanford Coggins, founder and president of VisionWise Capital out of Mission Viejo, California. You're listening to Strategic Investment. Radio and octalkradio.net, and we'll be right back. According to the consulting firm Strategic Capital Allocation Group, every decade since 1900 has experienced at least one bear market, and several have experienced as many as three. So how do we protect our principal from these declines without missing the gains when prices rise? At Strategic Investor Radio, we interview asset managers with unique strategies designed to both protect and grow your investments. Investing is not rocket science. It's rocket fuel if you know how to harness it. For podcasts of our interviews, please visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. All right, back to his chart. Back to his uh, grandpa Charlie here, and his a discussion about real estate. Hey, thank you, Paul. Again, we're talking with Sanford Coggins, founder and president of Vision Wise Capital out of Mission Viejo, California, focusing on commercial real estate. With Sanford having a background of football, being an RIA and in commercial real estate for a total of over thirty years. Uh, so, tell us your particular projects. Do you guys do everything? Do you buy? Do you uh, manage? Do you sell? Do you improve? What is it that, that you guys do in specifically? Sure. We, uh, we do all of that. As I said, you know, the tagline for VisionWise Capital is we're a real estate RIA. And the reason that's applicable for us is because we have conversations all the time with people about not just the projects that we're investing in and how they can participate, but also about their portfolio overall. To some degree, people want to know more about uh, how much they should put in a deal and, uh, and and there's no one oftentimes to answer that question for them that understands asset allocation well in the real estate space. So we will help them with that. There's times when I'll have someone get very excited about an investment. They want to put $500,000 in as their portion of the investment. But when we look at their portfolio, they have a million dollars of capital. Um, and frankly, that's just too large a chunk. So we'll actually you know, recommend that they pair that back, maybe do $100,000 and do five deals as opposed to doing one with such a large sum. Um, the strategy here, Charlie, is that there's no investment worthy of having all of your eggs in it. 
uh, I don't really care how good it is. It's just an, a bad investment principle. So we, we, we do try to educate our, our clients so that they become smarter, we become smarter, and everybody has a greater opportunity to win. Uh, and then that certainly makes sense here. So, Sanford, what kind of properties do you look for? Do you look for properties that are undervalued for some reason? Do you look at properties that are not in the city center but that are out in the suburbs or further out in the less populated areas? Do you look for those that need to be upgraded and where you can upgrade and uh, then charge higher rents uh, immediately or, or as soon as you upgrade? What, what do you look for in terms of types of properties? That's great, Charlie. That covers a large gamut. That's good. So here's is the real simple model. I want something old, ugly, and full. <laughs> old, ugly, and full, huh? <laughs> That's, it. That's it. If okay. I find something that is old, then I know that it's the vintage is mid-80s, plus or minus a decade. I know that they're not making any more of that. That goes back to the question earlier about development, which is a different industry, really. There's not There aren't developers out there building... 1980s-style garden apartment complexes. They're building the A-class, sort of the things you find in the major metroplexes, and they are filled with people that are spending $3,500 a unit for a two-bedroom rental that has a market, a deli, and a dry cleaner is built into the village, if you will. That's not the product that we're after. We're after the things of workforce housing, clean, that's in a nice area that doesn't have uh, you know gang violence and such going on. I wouldn't be afraid to drive through it, but it's fully occupied or, or thereabouts. It's just undervalued in terms of its rents and its management. If I can identify an opportunity to arbitrage the management of an asset by virtue of coming in and renovating the units and causing it to be a nicer community for the residents, that gives me the upside I need to even sur- survive a four-plus percent cap rate marketplace. And what kind of a holding period are you looking for on those kinds of properties? Yeah, and everyone has its own separate business plan that we share with the, with the investors, so they know if they're going into a deal that's three to five years or a deal that's two to ten. I mean, I, 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 we, we will we will know by virtue of the underwriting on the on the actual property. So most of them, though, are going to be sub five years. Most of them are going to be between three and five. Some of them are going to be two years, but that's not common. Uh, that's too quick of a turn for us to get it done. And then 10% to 15% of the portfolio would be legacy assets that we would actually hold ad infinitum. Uh, that would be an example of something, for example, in Santa Barbara on State Street. You, you buy that, you pay all cash for it, you collect your 5 or 6% cash-on-cash mailbox income, and you just own it because it's never going to go away and, and go down in value. You know, Sanford, uh, with interest rates um, in fixed income markets, so what they are today, and you certainly are familiar with those being in the RIA world, I would think people would be flocking to the world of real estate as income generation. As people are retiring, they need uh, to generate income. People need uh, diversification of assets. Stocks pay very little, if any, kinds of dividends. Uh, and so I would think that people would be very, very interested in real estate that pays an income. Do you structure your programs so that they pay a significant income to the people? I do, Charlie. I think one of the things that people innately understand is that if you're getting income from your investment, you've immediately reduced the risk of your getting your money back. And every deal that we do is underwritten in a way that the first year we're seeing cash flow coming from the property. Now, one thing that I would say to you is that we're in the process, for example, right now of a $12 million refinance on one of our properties. 
and uh, the interest rate is going to be approximately one and a half points less than what we're paying now. The cash flow is just going to jump up, and it's going to be very exciting for the investors in this project to start getting more cash coming at them. But I, but I would tell you, most people that are not in real estate are, are not in real estate because they just don't have the familiarity. It's not because they don't like the features. They just don't know how to access it. They don't know how to evaluate the risk. And that's where we come in to, to help is we, we're teachers. And we will explain to them the things they need to know to understand and value the property such that they can get comfortable with it or not. But we'll teach them how to do that. So uh, you were talking earlier about leverage. So you're looking at, except for some legacy properties, you're looking at a leverage hopefully of right around 45%, but hopefully not over 50%. And is there, is, is there lots of money available these days at that kind of LTV? Uh, there's no doubt. It's just very easy to find a lender that will come in at sub-50% loan-to-value. That's not hard at all. One thing, one thing that I would emphasize, though, is I'm not really suggesting that we don't have more leverage than that. What we have is we don't have any more bank debt. It's the bank debt that causes you to lose the asset. That's the partner in the deal that will take the asset from you at a down market. What we do, though, is we have this preferred class that sits between the common equity and the bank that says, no, we're friendly. We're, we're equity partners in this deal. If the property value goes down some, we're okay with that. We're still getting our income. But what we don't have is we don't have a foreclosure risk with the preferred equity like we do with the bank. So if I can say it this way, we're getting the leverage without the risk of foreclosure. And you know, that's why the structure is so 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 profound. That sounds like a, a show unto itself. We'd like to have you back sometime and, and talk about that here. Wonderful. I'd be delighted. So, um, Sanford, a couple of questions we'd like to ask all of our guests here. First, yes. what keeps you awake at night? <laughs> uh, you know, Charlie, I don't, I don't have anything that keeps me awake at night, frankly. When I go horizontal, it's about over. Um, <laughs> I, I, that's a that's a great question, but uh, but literally nothing comes to mind. I think I think if anything that is most appealing for me in terms of thinking through and strategically dis- describing and, and and shaping is uh, is legacy. I think the thing that you've done in terms of creating a family that has I understand sixteen grandchildren is just absolutely music to me. That's that's there's nothing more valuable than 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 having that as my lineage. So. So that's probably the thing that I get the greatest joy about strategizing, but nothing keeps me up. Well, you're very fortunate that nothing keeps you up, and you're fortunate that you don't have to remember 16 birthdays every year. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to go digital to have that one down. I, I couldn't do it on my head. So uh, the second question we'd like to ask is, what book on investing would you recommend for our listeners? And you, you're not necessarily required to limit that to only a single book. Sure. Well, I think the thing that I would recommend is actually anything written by Warren Buffett, any YouTube video, any speech that you can, can grow, draw on, uh, that, that I would own that, I would endorse that. I'd say that I've learned a great deal about the fact that it's not complicated, this world of investing, and if made simple, that's where truth is, and uh, because truth is simple. Um, and, and he does a phenomenal job from a position of strength being able to explain that you don't have to hurry. Just get started early. So that, that's an endorsement for me. Um, there are many others. David Allen from uh, the portfolio manager at Yale, brilliant in terms of a strategist. Most people, passive investors, are not necessarily going to enjoy that a great deal, but those who are in the industry 
Uh, that's that's a very smart book that talks about in all asset classes and how they've been able to exercise the use of all asset classes as opposed to just stocks and bonds. I think that's critical. Okay, and that was, by the way, I, I believe David Swenson, correct? Yale? My bad, yes. Yeah, David yeah. Swenson at okay. the Yale, a most yeah. profound portfolio manager on the planet. Yeah, no question about it, and super successful, and he is the benchmark for uh, institutions and for uh, and, and not for other investors because nobody else can, can keep up with them. So, Sanford, right. give, give us your website and contact information for those who want to know more, please. Certainly. The website is visionwisecapital.com. That's, uh, as I say to people, it's vision like as an eyesight, wise like wisdom, and capital with an A-L. And uh, you can reach us at 949-441-5580. Okay, and whom should they ask for? You should ask for Julie, who's my executive assistant, and she will put you in touch with me and and, uh, and or get us on a conference call as quickly as possible, but would be delighted to talk with you directly. Okay. So, Sanford, uh, final words for our listeners here. I think the final words are real estate is something that's often misunderstood, Charlie, and, and I, I, I just like to think that we're in the business of teaching people enough about it that they can get comfortable or not. But, but, but we're an educating firm, and we're doing a lot of great things in terms of underwriting really solid real estate as an opportunity. But the, most, the biggest part is let me educate you on how to, how to evaluate the risk and how it fits in or not fit into your portfolio. Excellent, excellent words for us. Sanford, thank you very much uh, for joining us, and uh, you've been very good to be patient with all of our questions here, and uh, thank you very much, and best of luck to you and VisionWise Capital. Charlie, thank you very much, and congratulations on this, uh, what did you call it? I think it was a a red flag day. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) a red flag day, yeah, a major day here. So again, we've been talking with, uh, thank you, uh, with Sanford Coggins, founder and president of VisionWise Capital out of Mission Viejo. You've been listening to Strategic Investor Radio and octalkradio.net. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. And you can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. This is Charlie Wright wishing you an enjoyable week and productive investing. You've been listening to The Strategic Investor, your source for compelling investment strategies from some of the most productive asset managers in the industry. For unique investment strategies, visit us at strategicinvestorradio.com. Investing is not rocket science.